This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Monday means EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. NHL Now from six to 4 to 6 Eastern Time. How are you, Edge? I'm good. I'm good. Well, there's so many different places to go, but, but since we have you... Um, we could not do one last Monday because of the general manager's meetings. Just give us a yeah. kind of a, a brush through on uh, what you experienced down there and, and what came of it. Um, well, there was just more discussion. Everybody feels like things are good right now. There was no real push for rule changes. There was a discussion about whether they need to expand video replay into areas like a two-minute minor high-sticking penalty where it's friendly fire, high-stick, you know, where you hit your own guy and the referees, you know, miss it. And a video shows that, you know, my stick didn't get you, but it hit me, you know, instead. So that, and then also puck over glass plays, which I'm kind of surprised they haven't already included that. Because, yeah. You know, now it's not always, it's not always 100%, uh, you know, uh, absolute you could see it, you know. But most of the time you can, and I know the referees oftentimes, they're not so sure on the ice, they have to huddle. It would be nice to take a peek there if you can. And I talked to Lou Amarillo, and he talked about the idea they would be included in that coach's challenge thing. So, you know, the coaches would have, you know, would have to risk the penalty at, uh, you know, if they were, to, they were to challenge those plays. So that was discussed. They're going to continue to, you know, kind of work on it. They were worried about the high-sticking minors because there's a lot of those and they don't want to get a situation where they're reviewing all of them because it's just, there's a lot of them and they don't want to slow the game down. They like the pace of the game and that's obviously been a criticism of replay that sometimes it takes too long. Right. But uh, that was one thing. They talked about if they needed to do anything about um, fights that take place after what people you know kind of call a clean hit. You know, I'm not always so sure that in the moment everybody's very clear on if the hit is clean or not, but... You've seen that, Donnie, particularly with, like, Jacob True is a really good example. He delivers a, a good hard hit, and then immediately there's a fight that takes place. So, in the end, I think they they want to remind the officials that, like, hey, you have that instigator penalty in your pocket, and if you feel like that's necessary in those situations, make sure you, you, you do utilize that uh, as a deterrent. So, that was discussed as well, and, uh, you know, those were the... You know, those were the, the biggest things that I can recall a week out mm-hmm. on the, you know, that were discussed. But it's always, you know, things about, you know, just things about helping improve the game, little things. And uh, I felt like, uh, you know, I've been to a lot of GMs meetings over the years where there was a lot of bigger issues and weightier issues, and this was not one of those meetings. And, um, of course, the E-word was thrown out there, expansion. It doesn't sound like the NHL's got an appetite for it now, but at least they were no. open to discuss it. Houston, Quebec City, and then for some reason a third dance with Atlanta uh, getting thrown out there. Um, 34 teams seems to me a bit excessive, uh, considering that would be the most of any professional sports franchise, uh, special sports league in North America. Actually, four more than baseball and basketball just seems a little excessive to me. But are we sure that every of the 30 teams are set? Um, Does it... Does it make more sense to address those three cities through uh, relocation than it would expansion? 
Well, I think that's probably the most likely path. I'm with you. I think 34 would be. I think we're. I think 32 is a great number, and I think 32 is a great number for for all the sports leagues in this in this era. And I think that the leagues that are at 30 teams will likely get to 32 at some point. I mean, it just it's an even number to get. You know, it, it breaks down nicely four ways, right? So. Um, you know, I think, you know, it was interesting about Atlanta. Like, the commissioner was asked about it, and he said, you know, he gave a little bit more information than, we, than I even expected. And he just said, well, if it were to be there, the people that are, that are interested in doing it are interested in doing it in a different area of the community, which I found, you know, would that be in a suburb of Atlanta as opposed to downtown? So, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, in communities, that's where really a hockey hockey base is, but, uh, you know, it didn't sound like anything's going anywhere right now. I think they're very comfortable with 32 teams. Everybody likes money, apparently, yes. so, uh, you know, so if somebody came in with a huge uh, financial offer to try to get into the league, I'm sure they would listen, and the other owners would certainly listen. Um, the Ottawa situation is, is something that is uh, ongoing. I think they're going to do quite well with that sale. Um, I think eventually they'll get sold, and I think eventually... Uh, they will move that team downtown in downtown Ottawa into that last area that has been talked about so much over the last decade. And, you know, I think, you know, Eugene Melnick's death, the, the, the owner of the Senators, uh, I think that is, you know, that has moved things along because I just think it was a, it was a, it was a tricky negotiation the people who want to develop that, and with Eugene Melnick at the time, and I just never thought that was going to happen. While he was the owner, I thought he was going to sell the team. Unfortunately, he passed away, and that's certainly a very sad thing. But that does change the trajectory of, of franchises sometimes. I mean, we saw it in Chicago when Bill Wirtz passed away and his son Rocky took over, and you know, Rocky was just more progressive and did different things with that franchise. So... Um, we'll see what happens there, but I, that's what I think is going to happen. I think the Senators, the sale process is going to continue. It eventually will be sold. I think they'll do quite well with the sale, and I think eventually they will have a new arena in downtown Ottawa, which I think will be terrific for that franchise. And, and I do think, you know, when you talk about Quebec City, I think that was the play for Quebec City that maybe Ottawa, if things could never be worked out there, might relocate to Quebec City. But with that seemingly as a non-starter in the scenario that I've painted for you now, I'm going to guess that, uh, you know, it's going to be quite a while for Quebec City. And, you know, and, for, and I think the other thing to watch, obviously, is what happens with the Coyotes. That vote is in May in Tempe. I mean, if that vote is, if that's passed by the city of Tempe and that arena project goes forward, then the Coyotes will be staying put for a long time. And I think that franchise will be set for a long time. Finally which is great, I mean, for everybody involved. It's a big market, and you've had hockey players come out of that region now, so we'd like to see them continue to have hockey there. But if for some reason that vote were to go sideways, then I think you've got to think about Houston or you've got to think about Quebec City or Atlanta. I mean, I think if they're in the West, right, so I think more than, more than I think Houston would be the, probably the place you go first. But uh, I guess that will play out. But people are optimistic that that vote is going to pass and they're going to be able to get that building. All right, let's go to um, what's happening on the ice. And I got a firsthand look at the Penguins over the last couple of games. And I was talking to somebody who said he, he believes the bottom's dropping out and they may not make the playoffs. And 
accountability was the word that was thrown out. Doesn't believe that they're held, the players are held accountable in Pittsburgh, and it just doesn't feel right there. Now, we know they've got talent. Malkin hasn't had that great of a year, but Crosby's been great. Latang has been great, but Florida's right on their heels. Um, they decided to put the band back together by bringing Malkin and Latang back. Uh, how do you see the Penguins right now as a team that still is a legitimate threat with their talent, or, or do you agree that the bottom might be dropping out there in Pittsburgh? Well, I'm not quite ready to say that, only because this has been a topsy-turvy year for the Penguins. They were good. They were bad. They were good. They were bad. They were good. They were bad. And that's kind of how the year's been. Right. They've been bad. They've been really bad. And when they've been good, they look like the circumstances we've seen in the last decade, where they, you think about them and say, hey, with the right things happening, you know, maybe they could make a push. So... They still have Crosby, they still have Latang. Um, they're going to lean heavily on Tristan Jari. I think that's an area where they really kind of dropped the ball as they didn't really... Casey DeSmith is uh, a terrific kid and, and, and is a great story, but I think when you have a guy like Jari who's really unproven in the big, big spots and is injury-prone, I think you just have to have more behind him. You have to have someone there that you can feel comfortable stepping in. And, you know, Casey DeSmith last year, look, he was injured. He's been injured a lot, too. So... Uh, you know, I'm not going to write them off because this is the year it's best for them. Um, just when we think they're going to be out, they come back and, and they put together a few wins in a row. So we'll have to watch. I think the Florida, the Outers, and Penguins, that's the race now. The Outers have been finding ways to win. they got a big game against Toronto coming up at home. I believe it's tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Panthers have back-to-back road games in Philadelphia and Detroit. Those are winnable games for the Panthers. I got to see the Panthers uh, when I was down at the GM's meetings and you know, they're, they've had, you know, Anthony Duclair has come back to the lineup, and he adds so much speed to their group. They get to play that, uh, you know, really more chaotic offensive game. They had a huge win over the Devils when they rallied for three goals in about three minutes on Saturday night. I and mean, that was a monster two points for them. Right now, i got to tell you, I think the Panthers have a great shot of getting there. Now, who is out? We'll have to see. I mean, they have our games in hand on the Islanders. Um I think it's going to be a real fight down the stretch. But as for the Penguins, yeah, it's been a bad, you know, you know, losing to the Rangers, though, I mean, let's face it, the Rangers are really good. I mean, they yeah. were the top four team last year. They've added pieces to the puzzle. They have Kane, they have Tarasenko. I mean, they're pretty much getting healthy now. And uh, Shesterkin is, is, you know, he's still Shesterkin. You know, he may not be at a 940 save percentage as he was late last season, but he's a pretty darn good goalie. He's one of the very best in the league. I mean, the Rangers are loaded. So losing to them... I don't know if that's something that you can uh, be too depressed over. you got to get back and get ready for the next one. They still have Crosby, and he's a great leader. So it's going to be a fun couple of weeks down the stretch to see who gets there. But I'm really wary of Florida because they're playing some good hockey right now, but Crosby's played better. Yeah, you mentioned the Rangers. Just just an amazing run over the last few games. They've actually scored 15 unanswered goals. The final two games on Thursday against Pittsburgh, six against Pittsburgh, seven last night against Nashville. 6-0-1 in their last 10. Um, they had a four-day break. They came back and were kind of lackluster against Montreal, Buffalo, lost in overtime to Pittsburgh. But now slowly you're starting to see the chemistry come together. Gallant has left the lines together, and they're all clicking. Even the fourth line, I think, has been very productive with Mott, Goudreau, and VC. 
and they're getting the goaltending. Halak had his first shutout as a Ranger last night. I know it was 6 nothing, but I thought Igor deserved to be the number one star in that game on Saturday because I thought he played outstanding and has been good over the last few games. Scary good, this team is. And I know, listen, Pittsburgh struggling. Nashville is a shell of what they were. But you don't score 15 unanswered goals in this league unless you're really, really good. And if this goaltending is going to be what it's been over the last week or so, or even in the vicinity of what it was last year, this is a very, very dangerous team, EJ. Yeah, listen, I, I mean, at the start of the season, I picked them to win the Cup just because I liked their team then. And now they've added, you know, uh, a Hall of Famer and another really good player to their mix. And you just said that fourth line. I mean, think of those names on the fourth line. Goudreau, Mott, DC. I mean, those are four pros or three pros on your fourth line. I mean, that is really... You know, I look at, you know, I've talked about it with you for years, Donnie, slotting, right? Getting guys in the right slots and making sure that, you know, that they're 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 put in places to succeed. I mean, that's a hell of a, of a fourth line that I think has a chance to be really helpful in the playoffs. In the Sparkly Control, you know what he's done with Tampa and that's on a roll. And, you know, Jimmy Vc has, I think, had a little bit of a resurgence in his career last year with New Jersey and now with the Rangers and he's playing you know, pretty good hockey, you know, and, and kind of ask even to do kind of less, but, you know, important parts of the game, important minutes, and Calamata is somebody I got to really watch in Vancouver last year during time there, and then some of the Rangers, he's kind of with an Ottawa, back to the Rangers. He's got a lot of speed. He's a hard-working guy. He gets into those areas. He brings energy. And so that's what you want from a fourth line. And then, of course, they've got all those horses up front. I talked to Chris Kreider after they lost uh, to Ottawa on, in Patrick Kane's, Patrick Kane's first game. And, you know, at that time, I think I told you, he said, you know what, we got to get through the Boston game on the Saturday. So we got those four days off because we need that time to practice. And, you know, and I, and I think now you've seen over these last couple of weeks they're getting more comfortable with the situation. I like Gerard Gallant leaving things alone, letting it simmer a little bit. So we'll see how things play out. I mean, the wins in March are great. They don't mean a heck of a lot in, right. in June. But uh, they're important, and uh, we'll see, you know, how it goes as they move forward. But, boy, what a weekend. I mean, if you talk about 15 consecutive goals without allowing one, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, and now they got a home-and-home against Carolina, which means if they stay hot, first place is still on the table. And and let's talk about the top of that Metropolitan Division because – Devils really showed me something last night, EJ. That was a really disappointing loss on Saturday. Blew a two-goal lead, as you mentioned, in the third period. All the while, it looked like Carolina was going to lose in Philly, and the Devils are going to take over first place. But then Carolina scores with a second to go, scores 30 seconds in overtime to win that game, and then the Devils give up four goals in the third and lose. And then last night, the Rangers have a chance to draw within three a second place. They're up 6 nothing after one, and the Devils are down 2 nothing early in the second period. And it kind of starting to look like maybe it's falling apart, but then the Devils score five unanswered goals in Tampa to win. I, that really showed me a lot, because I thought they were kind of teetering a little bit, maybe succumbing to the pressure of, are we really this good? And I thought that was a huge third period last night in Tampa to show maybe the world that they are that good. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Devils are still proving it every day, right? I mean, this is a franchise that's got young players that's made a huge leap in the standings this year that has been fun to watch, you know, night in and night out. Got a lot of really good players in their group. Added a, a real high-end player in Timu Meyer. They're 
you know, moving some other guys in and out of their lineup down below and, and trying to, you know, kind of, you know, find their way through March and, and get ready for, uh, you know, they're hoping it's going to be a long playoff run. So uh, it's a big win for them. There's no question. I think the team that finishes first in that division, I, I think it's, it would be nice to avoid a 2-3 uh, matchup where, you know, for the Rangers, it could, you know, the Rangers and Devils meeting in the first round. You know, that's going to be a tough series for both teams. So uh, if one of those teams could get into first place and uh, leave the other to battle with Carolina, that would be a benefit for them. But uh, as you know, Donnie, we've seen a million playoffs over the years. Sometimes you get what you want, and it's not exactly what you're hoping for. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a crazy game, right? I mean, you get, to say you get the Islanders in the first round, you feel like, oh, it's great. We avoided the Devils. We avoided Carolina. And then Shiro, uh, you know, Sorokin uh, plays right out, and you're sitting on the sidelines. So you never know how it's going to play out, but I do think you know it would benefit whoever finishes first to avoid uh, a two-three matchup in that division, which could be a real tough one. Uh, out west, Winnipeg really struggling, although they did have a huge win against Nashville that maybe put the Predators to bed. E- even though the Predators are only five points out and they've got games in hand, they're just so banged up. You're playing without Johansson. You're playing without Forsberg. You know, they made the trade for Ekholm. It-, it just looks like Nashville's kind of sucking win here. I know you're not a huge fan of Calgary, but they sit four points back of Winnipeg with a game in hand. Do you still think the Winnipeg Jets can hold on? Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's going to go right down to the end. I mean, I think Winnipeg has certainly opened the door for Calgary and for Nashville. And, you know, Nashville's got a couple of games in hand. I mean, they got three games in hand on Winnipeg. So as bad as they looked the other night and with the issues they have, I mean, there's still room for Nashville to get there just because of the, the three extra games. If they could, you know, they can get their act together. I mean, you know, they did that. It was a tough weekend for them, not just – you know, losing seven nothing to the Rangers. I mean, a loss is a loss. So I mean, it was it was just a bad twenty minutes, and then that was it for them. But what was worse was losing. You know, that game against Winnipeg on on Saturday. That was uh, you know, and then it went to overtime. They did get a point, but you know, they're still hanging around. And you know, Calgary's in LA tonight, so you know that's the game in hand they have with a win. They'll pull within two points of Winnipeg. Tough game in LA for sure. And then both teams play tomorrow night and have winnable games, right? Winnipeg is at home against Arizona, and Calgary goes to Anaheim to take on the Ducks. So that's going to kind of go right down the stretch. Calgary and Winnipeg have a big game. Um, I believe it's in early April, so they play each other. Um, Nashville, I think, has another game with Winnipeg. Yes, they, they do. Game with Calgary. So, I mean, I think the games in hand you have to consider for Nashville. That's it. I mean, they do have three games in hand over the team they're chasing. They have two games in hand on Calgary. And they're only a point behind Calgary. So when you look at it, you have to say, like, math-wise, Nashville's in a better position. But, uh, you know, I, I I still have a sense Winnipeg's going to find a way to hold on to it. But, boy, it, it, they really, you know, when you think about where they started the season and they were challenging for the lead in the division there, and it's just they've had injury issues and challenges. And, you know, they had a tough loss to St. Louis yesterday. They got shut out. That was a game they would have loved to put in their pocket. So, um you know, I think that's going to go right down the stretch. I'm not going to As much as I'm not a fan of what I've seen from Calgary this year, I mean, it's right in their hands. I mean, I think it's in the hands of all those three teams, Don. Any of those three teams, if they can put together wins, they got a chance to get that last spot. And before I let you go, because I know you got to run, you know, we've talked up Dallas. We've talked up Vegas. Seattle's had a tremendous second year. But 
Is it time to really start talking up the Los Angeles Kings as a team that could come out of the West? Absolutely. I mean, I have. We do our power rankings every week on on NHL Now, and it, and it varies week to week because I don't, you know, like the, the exercise of doing a top five week to week would be silly if I just always included the teams that I think are good, right? So I do put weight on a lot of weight on like how they've been in the last seven to ten days. You know, where are they right now? That's the right. idea to me. My of a power ranking, like it changes, right? Yeah, I do it too. It's 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 it, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, and like so, I mean, I could sit there every week and say, "Well, you know, Colorado, New York, you know, Boston, you know, and go through those five teams every week." But you know, sometimes they go up and down. Like Carolina had a little bit of a, a slide, so I moved them down. But LA, I had it number two last week, and I just think, uh, you know, going, you know, on Friday, and I just think I look at their team, Don. Like they've got a nice mix of veterans and youth. They've got a couple of guys on that team that are obviously leaders in, in Dowdy and Kopitar who have won multiple cups who are Hall of Famers and are still playing really, really well. You look at the matchup challenges they, that they bring is that, you know, and this is where I look at them against Edmonton. They had a really good series last year against the Oilers that went right to game seven. You have Kopitar and you have Phil Deneau down the middle. I mean, as a one-two, they can match up with pretty much anybody. Because Phil Deneau is like one of those guys that just thinks his teeth into a matchup. And we've seen that in the postseason before. He did it with the Montreal Canadiens a couple yeah. of years ago. So way to the final. You know, and then you look at their you look at their group of defensemen. They added Gavrikov, who's a really good player. Uh, goaltender. They upgraded the old goaltending with Corpusalo. Peter Copley has been pretty good this year. He's really saved them. I mean, when he came in, he's had a, and he's really done a lot of winning. You know, so um, I just like their team a lot. And then they have, like, you know, Kevin Fiala is kind of on the third line. They, they've got a good mix of guys like Adrian Kempe. He's been a really good player again this year. They can play with speed. They're well coached. They're a matchup problem. I mean, I just think if they get good goal they're going to be a, they're like a dog on a bone. They're going to be a problem in a seven-game series for anybody they play. They lost to Edmonton last year in seven. I think Edmonton is better this year, but I think the LA Kings are a lot better this year. And Drew Doughty didn't even play in that series. So, you know, if that's the matchup in the first round again, as much as I like the Oilers group too, I think that's going to be a real challenge. So, yeah, that's your question. Yes, I think the LA Kings are, I think there's a lot of teams that could come out of the West. Right. Depending on the matchup. But, you know, and I just saw Colorado on uh, on Saturday in Detroit, and let's not forget about them, too. And no. Georgiev was terrific in that game. And, uh, you know, they won 5-1, Donnie. They could have won 5-1. Georgiev was really good in that game, had a lot of big saves. They still got those, you know, they had game breakers. Kinnan ended up with a, a goal, a, a, just a game-breaking play uh, early in the game to get uh, to get Colorado lead. He only needs uh, just, a, just a small space to get through in and get a good support chance. So Colorado Avalanche are still like, you know, hey. ask me, like I said, start of the year, I like Colorado and New York was my pick. And, you know, playoffs are hard. And who the hell knows the right. how it's going to be and guys get hurt. But I, I, I don't feel that bad about that pick. Like I don't sit here, you know, as we're in late March and say, boy, I was way off. Hey, listen. Usually, there's a lot of combinations that could get there. That's one of them. Hey, EJ, right now they're three points back of Vegas. I mean, excuse me, uh, three points back of Dallas for first place with two games in hand. Yeah. So they yeah. win their games in hand. Right Colorado there. very easily could win that division. 
and they could get Landeskog back. I mean, that's, I talked to Jared Bednar after the game. He thinks they're getting, like, Darren Helm back, who hasn't played all year. So they're getting some bodies back yeah. healthy. And, you know, they're, they're missing Josh Vance, and obviously Eric Johnson got hurt. He may or may not be able to be back at some point in the postseason. So, you know, they've got some challenges, and it's hard to win two years in a row. We haven't seen it that often, although we've seen it more often over the last 10 years than we had in the, in the previous 15. But, uh, yeah, they've still got a really, really good team, and they know what it takes now, right? They're a team that's won it all, and they understand that. And the question will be, will Georgia play well in the postseason? And, you know, right now he's playing very well. Yeah. Well, I know you got to run, EJ. Thanks. This was a lot of fun. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, Johnny. See you, All right, that's EJ Raddick, fresh off the general manager's meetings, getting ready for a show, NHL Now, coming up in a couple of hours on the NHL Network. He's doing showcase games, and he's our weekly every Monday here on Game Misconduct. Always fun to talk to him. Uh, limited schedule tonight, but every game seems to have some meaning. Ottawa's going to get Pittsburgh. Boy, the Penguins need a win. They've only got a one-point lead on Florida for the final playoff spot, and Florida's in Detroit tonight to take on the Red Wings. EJ was just talking about that. I mean, we could wake up tomorrow morning with the Penguins on the outside looking in for the playoffs. Mentioned the Avalanche are three points out of first place with two games in hand on Dallas. They're home for Chicago tonight at 9.30. San Jose's in Edmonton to take on the Oilers. And EJ mentioned that 10.30 game between the Flames and the Kings. Huge game for Calgary. They begin the day um, four points back of Winnipeg with a game in hand. So if they, this is the game in hand, and that would be a big win against Los Angeles that would draw them within two points of Winnipeg. So, boy, things are really heating up. We're down to the dirty dozen for some teams uh, down the stretch of the season here. Uh, we're about three weeks away from the season being over and getting ready for the postseason. So this should be a lot of fun. All right, Wednesday is going to be all about you. We'll take your... Um, Social media questions on Twitter at, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. So we're looking forward to that. So we'll catch up with you on Wednesday. Thanks to EJ Raddick. Thanks to Anthony Pusick. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.